Whitman once offered this solid advice. Be curious, not judgmental. Living in rural Appalachia, I'm sad to say that we face a lot of stereotypes, with most being negative. But here's the thing. The Appalachian story is a hard one to understand to someone who's never experienced it. In the media, we are portrayed in a very different light than what I see in the people and the places around me. The following was recorded at City Perk Coffee House in Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Thank you, Jen, for letting us use the space. For the best coffee brews, lemonades, and smoothies in town, be sure to swing by City Perk and tell them that Aaron from Weird Appalachia sent you. Thank you for tuning in to Weird Appalachia, a podcast about art and Appalachian culture. I'm Aaron. And today, comedian Justin Darnell is back, and let's talk about some stereotypes. Let's do it. So, <laughs> when you think of Appalachia, it's almost all stereotypes, really. <laughs> for sure. I've got several bits in my act about that. I mean, we grew up here. We're used to, we're used to this stuff. For sure, yeah. But we grew up kind of believing a lot of these stereotypes. And, I mean, I believe a lot of them have some clout. Like, I mean, I believe a lot of stereotypes, not all stereotypes, but a lot of stereotypes are made for a reason. And, I mean, as far as, like... A poor education system, some incestuous activity like that's that happens. It really yeah. does when you live in a rural area and there's very few people. I mean, those things tend to happen, especially the education thing. Like it, it was really hard to get education here. I, I read an article. There's a couple articles recently, and they took into account like um, a bunch of factors: is average life expectancy, average amount of people on disability, average education, uh, average uh, savings. Um, a few other factors, and they found the 10 most difficult counties in the United States to live in, and six were in Kentucky, and McGoffin, our home our home yeah. county, was one of them. I heard that, mm-hmm. and I was like, of course. Yep. Of course. Mm-hmm. And not to be negative, I don't want this to be like us talking about all the negative stuff, but there is always, with any story, with any stereotype, there's a grain of truth there. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, but it becomes dangerous whenever everyone thinks that's the norm. For sure, and it's really not. They're they're outliers. Those types of things um, happen, but they're not not everyone is dumb, uneducated hillbillies. No. Well, and, and we're always portrayed that way in media, which really upsets me mm-hmm. most of the time because sure. it's it's so wild to ever see us being represented well. Because mm-hmm. we did an episode a while back about Coal Miner's Daughter, mm-hmm. that movie, and I feel like they kind of, they almost got it right. I vaguely remember it. <laughs> I think the last thing I remember um, anything in Kentucky getting any kind of like um, national press coverage was the Kim Davis thing when she was yes, denying. Of course, I, and I was like, of course, anything big happens in Kentucky that makes news, it's something, it's bigoted. Yeah, I feel like that movie it it displayed the things that are stereotyped here, mm-hmm. but it didn't do it in a. A malicious way. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a loving kind of way because she sure. had a big endearing. Hand. Yeah, she had a big hand in making her own movie, mm-hmm. but yeah. she chose who's going to play her and stuff. For sure. So that makes a difference when you're helping tell your own story versus someone else on the yeah. outside looking in. I really think that's the worst part of it. I think that's where it all comes from. Is we're not getting to tell our stories. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, we, a lot of people are. I guess don't have the opportunities to. And there's so yeah. much stigma on. Um, I have a bit in my act about you know when people hear my accent they hear my voice they don't think oh i bet he's good at math they think oh i bet he doesn't like gay people <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's common stereotypes and it's it's filled in a lot of people's heads i like to make fun of it because it's hilarious but um it is it's frustrating mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. Really can be i think that the the worst part of us not being the ones telling our story and you know like um the diane sawyer thing do you remember that Mm-mm. 
when she came here and was like highlighting all the was problems. Was it the Mountain Dew mouth thing? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> I saw Tyler, I read an article recently, uh, Tyler Childers, um, someone had did an article about him and he was, I think he might have been in school when that happened. Yeah. I think he went to Paintsville and he was talking about how they were, they gave out Mountain Dew to everyone and then were recording the kids drinking Mountain Dew saying they all had Mountain Dew mouth. Oh my God. See, Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that was a that was an article that I read. That's wild. But I, I remember when I was in school when that happened, and that's why everyone was telling the same story. Yeah, I was in college, I think, like early, early college, and went to, uh, it's back when I was in this group called the Big Sandy Singers, mm-hmm. and we were in Louisville for a show, and this huge side of a building, Diane Sawyer's face, like Diane's Louisville. <laughs> like, Is she from Kentucky? I guess. I don't know. I was too appalled by it all to like even read into it because, I mean, yeah, that stuff's here. It's here. We sure. have it. But it's not the way that it gets portrayed. No, and it's honestly not the norm. Like, I um, I, I, I worked for a uh, company called LIHEAP. It was a low-income home energy assistance program. They help people sign up on heating assistance programs every mm-hmm. year. And I saw some really poor people, like people that still use coal and wood and um, kerosene as their primary heating source that mm-hmm. don't have electricity but those people are few and far between you know in your normal in a normal drive through eastern kentucky one one thing that's it's i've noticed it's very different um is you don't have like your upscale areas and your down there's a lot of mix so like you know a normal drive you'll see really nice house really nice house Really bad trailer, really bad trailer, shack, yeah. really nice house, double wide. Like, it's all it is intermixed. A healthy, it's a big mix. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not all shacks and trailer parks. Yeah, I mean, there's a healthy mix. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the poor areas are here. I've lived in one, two, like three trailer parks myself and one, two, three housing projects. Mm-hmm. Like, but it wasn't as bad as it's portrayed. You know no. what I'm saying? Like I never in all the places that I lived, which were you know poverty stricken areas, I never felt unsafe. I never felt um, at risk of anything. It was just good old good old boys, poor people. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it made me feel like you know I I went through a lot of that stuff too, and it was more like it made me feel grateful for things as an adult. Mm-hmm. Sure, you develop an appreciation. Because like back then, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like growing <laughs> no up, idea. growing up, um, we were in the poverty level. Um, like dad raised two kids and himself. It was on like it was less than thirty thousand years, twenty something, mm-hmm. and we never knew we were poor. You know, we mm-hmm. never really go with it. We but what I'd call poor is I've never known hunger. You know, I've never exactly. known. I've never known it's like to be cold, and uh, never know it's like to be truly hungry. We just yeah. we drove crappy cars and lived in a crappy trailer. <laughs> yeah, but we knew our needs were met. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were taken care of. We just weren't living, like, any kind of extravagant lifestyle. It was not extravagant. (laughs) (laughs) Not glamorous. To say the least, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the negative stereotypes of our area. Okay. You want to start? Some of them are pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's funny. That's half my act. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The biggest one is, obviously, the barefoot hillbilly. Mm. Just dumb redneck. Especially for women... You know, barefoot and pregnant. Oh, yes. Baby on your hip. <laughs> Baby on your hip in the yard of the trailer park. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's a bad one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but growing up, you know, we watched things like the Beverly Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, oh, there's our people. Yeah, for sure. That's family. <laughs> I know him. Like, we understood that it was exaggerated, but we also understood that, like, you know, it's kind of spot on. There's some truth to it. <laughs> but to an outsider, they watch the Beverly Hillbillies and like, oh my goodness, that's how those people live. You know, but it's not just, I don't want to digress too far, but 
every culture is portrayed that way. So I, I knew this guy, um, he was from Chicago, <laughs> and he lived in Lexington, and he had this idea in his head that all of us were these redneck, gun-toting, murderous, racist, homophobic mm-hmm. assholes. And and he was telling me this, and I'm like, man, it's at least in my county, and I think McGoffin is a little different, um, it's really not like that. Those people are few and far between. And while he was talking to me about Chicago, I was like, I was like, to hell with Chicago. That sounds scary. Everyone's got guns. I'm going to get mugged. I can't drive my car. So everything is portrayed in this, I guess you might say, salacious way. Mm -hmm. Because it's, if the news were to be like, hey, guys, everything's going good today, you turn it off real quick. You don't want to see that. I worked in news for six years. Okay, cool. So it's true. Mm -hmm. You you can't sell papers (laughs) or news stories. You can't get ratings with just happy. Mm Mm-hmm. And we did a poll once asking what people would like to see in the newspaper. And everyone was like, we want to see less of these drug stories, more happy stories, more good, feel good people kind of that. stories. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm like, they, they think they want that. <laughs> they don't want that. No, there's something in us, and I, I've not thought about it too much, but there's something in us that likes that. What's that that um, that Tool song? It's, I need to watch things die from a distance. Mm-hmm. Vic- vicarious? That's it. No. There's something about us that enjoys those very heart-wrenching, violent, uh, I don't know, exciting stories. Yeah. Maybe it's just a need for excitement. I don't know. Maybe it makes us feel better about our own shit. Could be. Could be. <laughs> That's uh... That's the only reason I ever watch reality TV. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know what? It's not too bad. <laughs> you know, my life's actually pretty it great. Could be. It could be. So I start <laughs> one episode of Hoarders, and I'm like, man, my house ain't dirty at all. This is yeah. fine. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know. I start listening to what they're saying, mm-hmm. and they start to sound like me. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't need a 200 newspapers from 1973. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I did have a big stack of newspapers <laughs> yeah, I had okay. to throw away. Not from that far back. but <laughs> 1993. I do have those tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did for a long time, too. I'm a lot I've found that it's hard for me to get rid of things, so I just don't buy things. Yeah. If I just don't buy things, I don't have to throw them away. I had a coworker tell me one time her grandmother told her she married everything she got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not lying. I got you. I have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we've we addressed it a little bit. A huge negative stereotype from around here is drugs. Mm-hmm. And that is spot on. <laughs> yeah. It's not everyone. It's really not. But um, it is a thing. It is so pervasive. Mm-hmm. I, I met this guy from... Um, he was from a more um, metropolitan style area, and he was talking about how he's like, what did he say? Coke is such a, or no, he said pills is such a metropolitan drug. I'm like, you're ridiculous. We're called yeah. pillbillies for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, and this is something I can speak yeah. at length about. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much of the time. But like, you know, I grew up in a household with my mother was an addict, her mother was an addict, her father was an addict. My mother died of an overdose. Like from a very young age, I remember witnessing drug deals. Mm-hmm. I remember setting at the doctor's offices for hours waiting for mom and mama to get their prescription. Like it's anytime mm-hmm. you have, I think that's, I think that is a symptom, at least one of the symptoms of how poverty stricken we are. Because yeah. in more poverty stricken areas, you'll have more drugs, alcohol, which is a drug and violence. Like I think if our economy was mm-hmm. lifted up, we might have less people trying to anesthetize themselves. Yeah. To it's just escapism. For sure, yeah, yeah, and and a lot of I, I blame doctors on a, a lot of people that uh, get drugs because yeah. they're creating customers, and it's just easier. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to hand people what they're coming for than to 
fight with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's a business and hospitals get poor ratings if you don't give enough um, enough um, pain medicine because you're trying to get people to come back. And also, we live in a culture where people want a magic pill to fix their problems. They don't want to make the changes Yeah, required. they don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that happens. For sure. Um, I'm going to say this, but I did, I learned this in a training, so I'm pretty sure it's, it's accurate, that the reason why the opioid crisis became what it is here is because you've heard of Granny Magic, mm-hmm. um, how grandmothers in Appalachia, oh. <laughs> how they, they... Are walking pharmacists? Yeah. <laughs> but before that, they were, you know, like herbalists, and they knew how to fix it. They oh, had like what, apothecary. They had anything to cure what ails you. Okay. Um, and then once, because they doctored the whole family. Because they were the ones who knew what to do. Okay. So whenever doctors started just giving pills left and right, they didn't fully realize what they had. Okay. So these grandmothers were like, oh, you feel bad here. Here's your this perk 10. Yeah, you have this. that happen. And not realizing what they were doing, and that's how it got so out of control. Interesting. I'd say that's definitely a factor in it. Yeah. For sure, because, I mean, my mamma was a walking pharmacist. Yeah. Or a walking pharmacy. Like, her purse was just, it'd rattle when she walked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just thought that was really interesting because I never thought about that, but that's definitely true. There's um I think Jeff Oxworthy does a bit about that about um like the mother in law or the uh, grandmother giving out drugs, and that's true. My mama, anything you need, she had a pill for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of sad too to think that it, it was, if that's the case, it was coming from a place of love. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never thought of it that way. That's that's interesting. Um, I, I know that a lot of, uh, you know, I know, I know the idea of this episode was to um, talk about how the stereotypes aren't entirely true, but it surprises me just how many people are on some drug. Mm-hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would venture a guess, just guessing, if you count alcohol, I'd say over half the population. Mm-hmm. And that's just my guess. I don't know. But, like, I know people that are sub- prescribed Suboxone. Uh, God knows I love making fun of some boxing. And there's, it seems like every other person's on some boxing. Yeah. Uh, professionals. But I don't think, I don't think it's the crisis here that it's not everywhere else. For sure. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, drugs yeah. are a problem. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's we not just up, Appalachia. We, we just get the, a big scapegoat for it. For sure. We get the, we get the worst rap. You know, yeah. uneducated pillhead hillbillies. Uneducated yeah. pillbillies. Yeah, and that's sad because you know if it's everywhere, that's that's just the reality of it. There sure. needs to be other other means of trying to control that. Well, I, I mean, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is it's not just the it's not just the poor people either. Like I know teachers mm-hmm. in school that are prescribed some form of whether it be suboxone or some kind of pain medicine, and I mean these are medicines they have medicinal purposes, but like. I can't say they're abused or not abused. Right. And it's not just Appalachia. It's everywhere. It's just a, like, foggy line there. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, you might need that medicine, but once you have it, you're a grown adult. Who makes the choice what you do with it? For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I have a list of things. That's a good list. And, I mean, some of them are funny. Mm-hmm. Some are funny. Like uh, I'd say most. Or just harmless. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just a barefoot hillbilly picking a banjo on the porch. Mm-hmm. Shoes are expensive. <laughs> Have you ever tried to play a banjo? It's extremely difficult. Like, I'm impressed to anyone that can play a banjo. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've not tried. I can't. I can sing, but I can't play an instrument to save my life. The ones that, that frustrate me the most are the we're uneducated. Mm-hmm. We can't read. <laughs> that everybody's incest. Everybody's married to <laughs> 
Yeah. I've got some cute cousins, though. Like, <laughs> you, don't judge me till you've seen my cousins. <laughs> the, um, and some of them, not that bad, but still annoying. Like, you must only like bluegrass music. Mm. About that before it caught the... I've actually met more people in McGoffin that hate bluegrass music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally opposite. Um, anytime I've ever talked to someone online, mm. like back in the day when we used to chat with like randos online mm, all the time. Sure, ASL. If you, if you said Kentucky, the first thing they would always say is, oh, you must love KFC. KFC, I've got a bit about that. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken every day of yep, time. That's it. It's not even that good. Go to Lee's. Lee's Famous Restaurant. <laughs> Way better than KFC. <laughs> Popping out a lot of young ones. I do wonder what the birth rate is around here, if it's higher or yeah. lower. Yeah, I wonder too. Because poverty-stricken areas, from what I've been told, tend to have a higher birth rate, um, which is odd. But like, I guess... Maybe it's less education about mm. uh, contraceptives. Maybe. Could be that whole uh, abstinence-only thing they try to push. Yeah, that's that's a big part. The religious it. aspect yep. of our region. But God knows that doesn't work. Because we live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Yep. Um, then you get preacher's daughter syndrome, what I always call it. Like <laughs> when a, when a, a girl specifically is um, happens with men, too, are, are in such a strict household that as soon as they get a little bit of freedom, they go wild. Yep. It's moderation and yep. everything. It's like... It's like anytime you you go so against human nature instead of trying to work with it, you breed almost like fanaticism. Yeah, you make it so taboo that it's like they have. I have to have that. I gotta have it all. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely what happens. But also, I think some of it's just boredom. There is not a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> you just make your own fun. You might end up with some babies for sure. You know, <laughs> Drinking, I don't know if I can cuss. Can I cuss on this? I can cuss like drinking, that. fucking, fighting. That's about it. Drugging. <laughs> People say, I don't want to say there's nothing to do in Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky. If you like nature mm-hmm. or drinking, fucking, fighting, drugging, then you're in good shape. <laughs> but if you want to, like, a hopping nightlife, no, go somewhere no. else. I mean, it's all about what you like. <laughs> if you're looking for New York City at, at the middle of the night, no. If you want to rave, no. don't go here. If no. you want to get drunk on a ridge. If you want to get drunk in the barn, it's a great, <laughs> great place for that. Come to the right place. <laughs> and if you love nature, like you said, there's... Beautiful hiking trails. 45 minutes from the Red River Gorge, one of the premier rock climbing places in at least the United States, yeah. maybe the world. Something that we're not really known, I don't think we're really stereotyped as, but something that I see happening here is Kentucky's full of hippies. Yeah, a lot of hippies. A lot of, a <laughs> we're lot just of all hippies. a big bunch of hippies. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if that's like the nature aspect of it. Because, you know, I, hippies are like pagans. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. like, it's like nature worship. Yeah. Know. So maybe so. Maybe the because it is beautiful out here. It is, and uh, I mean, how could you not? And once you drop some acid or mushrooms, it looks even better. <laughs> I'd imagine. I don't know. I'm terrified of hallucinogens. The women I date tell me <laughs> that it's great. Um, here's one that kills me though. It's a it's this huge contradiction of the angry redneck with the shotgun to like, get off my land mm-hmm. and southern hospitality. That is interesting. Yeah. Because... I've definitely met more Southern hospitality. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some angry rednecks that don't want you on their land. That's, That's a thing. But yeah, it, you go to New York and you knock on your neighbor's door, they're going to be like, why are you knocking on my door? Yeah, the guy from Chicago that I talked about earlier, we, uh... I was telling him about the Southern hospitality. I was like, man, you, you I can drop you off anywhere in McGoffin, and I guarantee you'll get a ride. Mm-hmm. And, um... Hot meal. You start knocking on people's door, <laughs> they will help you out. And he, and he was saying this... He was saying, well, in Chicago, you know, that's exactly how it is, but it's not like that in Kentucky where everyone's rude and uneducated rednecks. I'm like, we both just have these different 
ideas about what the area is, but I've never lived in Chicago, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know what Eastern Kentucky is like, or at least McGoffin. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, when we, when we talk about um, Eastern Kentucky, McGoffin's really not that bad. We get a really bad rap. We do. But I've been to some cities, you know, within like a 40-mile radius of McGoffin. Mm-hmm. Much worse. <laughs> I think we just perpetuate our own stereotype of McGoffin. Go on. A lot of the time, because anytime someone talks about bettering things, there's always someone there who's like, why try? Mm-hmm. Why do that? It ain't gonna work here. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though it would. Yeah, there's um some things are definitely uh, shameless plug. I am starting a vape and CBD shop Yay. on the Parkway, and honestly, I mean, for a long time I thought nothing would last in mm-hmm. McGoffin, and it may not, but we'll see. I yeah. mean, it's, it's worth a try. Exactly. So that's kind of the beauty of McGoffin's market is there's so little going on that you, <laughs> you kind of corner the market with. Yeah. Because like, I think Paintsville has like three vape CBD shops or something like that. Prestonburg's got at least one or two. Mm-hmm. So McGoffin has none. So I'm hoping yep. hoping that'll be good. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's amazing. I hope it works out. You always see those old cartoons mm-hmm. of like making fun of the Hatfields and McCoys. Mm-hmm. And there's always like these ugly... I won't say ugly because they're drawn really exaggerated, yeah. weird looking men uh-huh. with a moonshine jug and a shotgun. Uh-huh. And then there's like the two like star-crossed lovers who aren't supposed to be there. Yeah, like Romeo and Juliet. Or... And the woman's always really sexy uh-huh. and barefoot <laughs> and like scantily clad. Uh-huh. And... They're always like, oh, they're from different sides and they fall in love. And that's why the family like stops feuding and yeah. stuff. But the family feud aspect, that's like, I mean, I know they have, there's like a whole festival around the Hatfield and McCoys. And uh-huh. there's the whole TV series about them and stuff. But that I think that's kind of made a weird stereotype for us, too. Of like feuding families. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, I definitely know there are, there are definitely names, like surnames growing up that I heard that were only associated with negative things. Like there were, mm. there were, yeah, that's um, a thing. It, and it was like, Oh, we look like a bunch of, like if your house or your, your land was dirty, then you were associated with that family. Like yeah. I didn't raise you like a bunch of mm-hmm. last name, insert last name. So I don't know if my, my family in particular feuding with anyone, but we definitely will associate an entire surname with a group of negative um, traits. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes it harder on those, you know, like their younger generations who are trying to break away from that stereotype mm-hmm. and like, you know, live the way they want to live and, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. But there was a dude in high school who used to pester me. He was like, you know, if we get married, do not have to change name? Because <laughs> he had the exact same spelling, but we weren't related. Yeah, yeah. Different set, but still. Uh-huh. No, I've seen weddings of like Howards marrying Howards. It's a little too weird. But then again, in McGoffin, <laughs> the chances of you being a Howards about you're about one in two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trust me, I found one. <laughs> you did. You <laughs> I did. did. <laughs> You know, I've dated I've dated a Howard myself. So. You're going to throw a rock, you're going to hit a Howard. Or a, if you go up the river, it's going to be a Wireman, Wireman uh, which is my crew. It's Wireman, Shepherd. Wiremans and Shepherds are the only two people that live on Gunlock. Yeah. <laughs> or some Vanderpools. The Vanderpools? Yeah, some I've Vanderpools. I've met one or two of those. Not a whole lot of them, but that's my crew. Maybe that's why I know they're there. Gotcha, yeah. They're my family. Yeah, you've seen them. Those are my people. Okay, this is a big one. Um, and coming from a curvy girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably an interesting one. That we're all very fat and unhealthy because all we do is eat biscuits and gravy and be lazy. You know, I've not, I don't really associate that with us, but yeah. now that you mention it, I think Huntington, West Virginia, at one time was the 
saddest and fattest city in the nation. <laughs> like based on studies, right? Yeah, some kind of study about the most that. depressed and the most overweight. And I remember reading something about, you know, it's it's almost, I guess you'd call it ironic, um, that there is a, there are a lot of poor people that are also overweight. Yeah. But like... If you look at cheap food, exactly, it's so exactly. fucking unhealthy. And the good stuff's expensive for sure. I mean, and that's that's not just Appalachia. I mean, you know, cheeseburgers a dollar, salads five dollars. That's the world. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, there's definitely when you're poor, it's odd. You'd think you wouldn't have enough money to eat. Like we have enough money to eat. There's very few of us starving. But the cheap food, the affordable food, is very fattening it's, yeah. it's very high in calories very low in uh, nutrient density yep yep absolutely unless you're a skilled gardener which is a thing here mm-hmm. yeah you know, you honestly most people have seen them have gardens they just give it away it's like something to do yeah that's true <laughs> i've noticed that a lot um when it, my grandmother who gardened she was always a she was afraid she must have lived through some hard times she was always afraid of not having enough food mm-hmm. so she would can, can, bread, and yeah. can and had a pantry full of food but would still give away so much food yeah yeah, there is. Make so much out of a garden. I always thought about that with my my mama. She could ever have enough, and uh, she must have. My dad's similar too. He's like, you know, you never. It doesn't matter what happens. They feel like they're not prepared for that long winter. Yeah. Which is, you know, is indicative of when we when the snowstorm's about to come and the milk and bread is everyone's killing Pop each other. Pot milk and bread. Pot milk and bread's all you need. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they choose perishables, but I don't know. But those are the staples. Yeah, they are. Well, you can always just make yourself what they call a dog sandwich. What's that? Bologna sandwich. A dog sandwich? A dog sandwich. Never heard that. Yep. Um, you fry bologna and put some cheese on it, though. It's a delicacy. It absolutely That's, is. If Josh Mullins <laughs> listens to this, I got that from him. <laughs> I have a friend who doesn't like bologna, but she will eat fry bologna. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it takes on a whole new flavor profile. It's a new thing. Um, yes, I don't eat my bologna raw. It's only fried, please. <laughs> That's the fancy rednecks. I'm bad at accents, too. Oh, my gosh. And if you get a cheese that's not in a plastic wrapper, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's a delicacy there mm-hmm. on your fried bologna. <laughs> I see a lot of it. I don't want to harp on all the negative. We got some positive stuff coming. Sure, it's coming, it's coming. It's on its way. Just be, just be patient. <laughs> but you see a lot of the crazy, and sometimes it's so entertaining. I love it. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to say I don't. But you see a lot of it uh, perpetuated in, in TV shows and movies. Um, especially stuff like Moonshiners. Mm-hmm. You ever watched Moonshiners? I've not watched it. No. I've not even watched I, it. I but, like Moonshine. But my friend was like, "You need to watch this old guy off the show. His name's Jim Tom." Mm-hmm. Of course, he's got two first names. <laughs> yeah, he's the funniest guy. Jim Tom Bob Ray. <laughs> he reminds me of like my papa. That's probably why I like him so mm-hmm. much. But he's a tomcat. Yeah, he's a tomcat. That's an idiom. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he um. He, he will make up these little songs, and they sound like weird bluegrass gospel songs about, like, courting a lady. Okay, I got it. And he, he's got, oh, my gosh. I'm just, I can't explain it. Just watch it. I'll check it out, yeah. <laughs> I love anything Appalachian, so I, watch, I just don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you remember Call of the Wild Man? The, the Turtle Man? The Turtle Man? The yeah. Live action. He, did he start saying yee-yee? Didn't he say that? Because I thought he said that, and I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I ever heard." And now, a few years later, I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's that guy." He's I that saw guy. him at Van Leer days. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> My little brother, kind of guy. deal. Loretta Lynn's brother was also at the Coyote Den one night, so I'm I'm kind <laughs> of a celebrity through them. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all about the connections, my friend. 
the reality show ones are the ones that kill me because it's like these are these these is these people's lives. Mm-hmm. I still not watch the Wild and Wonderful Wives, but I want to. I haven't either, mm-hmm. and I need to. Sounds right up my alley. I think we should do a podcast episode about do it. it. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Research project. It was on Netflix mm-hmm. at one point. I'll try and find it. But okay, we've chance. talked about the bad. Mm-hmm. Let's find some good ones. Okay. Well, I don't have any, so I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. One that I think is, it's it's widely communicated. We understand it's here. It's like, it doesn't even feel like a stereotype. It just feels like our reality is mm-hmm. how important family is here. Mm-hmm. For sure. Strong family ties, extremely. Mm-hmm. That, that, it's, I don't know if other places are like this, but it's all, I, I always hear, well, that's your brother, that's your sister, that's your cousin. Yeah. Which is so odd because I don't care if they're blood related to me. If they're a piece of shit, they're a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, it, could, it can go both ways. Yeah. But we definitely have a really strong sense of family. Mm-hmm. We support a, our people. For sure. And that feels really important. And another thing that that leads to, to me, and it can be positive and it can be negative, is the gender roles that are so strongly enforced here. Mm-hmm. That And it's great that, like, the grandmother's always, like, the glue of the family. For sure. When my mom died, less and less people came to the family gathering. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. That you see that happen all the time. She was the one calling, letting them all her, harping on them to hurry up. There was nothing in the world like a, like a mamma. Mm-hmm. That she she keep you on the straight and narrow. That was it. Or she'd bitch at you and you'd do it anyway. <laughs> yep. Or she'd give you a really good dinner. Mm-hmm. Always have the best dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, maybe it's not great for men. Those roles of you know, if you're not. That stereotype man. Mm, the strong, masculine, bread earner. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be really be tough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of that. I watched a documentary a while back called The Mask We Wear. And it's just talking about how um, men are taught to um, suck it up, uh, don't cry, um, yep. be tough. and That's not healthy. No, no, no. We all have emotions. <laughs> no. That's very unhealthy. Um you see a lot of talent here, mm-hmm. and I think there's a huge stereotype for if you're from Appalachia, you, you can cook good, or you can sing good, or you play guitar. <laughs> and there are a lot of that. I know some good chefs. Mm-hmm. I, well, Tyler Childers now, uh, almost a household name. Chris Stapleton is, both um, mm-hmm. from around this area. Very talented. Uh, Loretta Lynn. Rebecca Lynn Howard. Rebecca Lynn Howard. Um, and she's like touring with, with um, Seymour Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's wild. And her from McGoffin County. Like and I love seeing people around here make it. Um, but outside of that, there's um, um, highly educated people. There's craftsmen. We have a lot of skilled yes. workers, like woodworkers, mm-hmm. um, other ones, <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think more, of ones. <laughs> you see a lot more trade mm-hmm. here, like someone actually going into a trade mm-hmm. rather than like trying to get a degree. Yeah, and that's... Honestly, wonderful in a lot of ways. I think so too. Yeah, I don't think trades are valued as much as they should be. Mm-mm. No, we were taught growing up, um, if you didn't go to school, college, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then I've got people graduating with forty thousand dollars in debt, making ten dollars an hour, and then you've got these trades workers like mill rides and electricians yeah. making double that with exactly. no debt. I'm like, no one told me you could do that. <laughs> and we were we were really sold that whole thing of. If you don't get a degree, you're never going to make it. You're yep. never going to do anything. Yep. You have to have a degree. And now the people who didn't get a degree are doing way better. Not everybody, <laughs> but the ones that actually pursued a trade. Yeah. And we're smart about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are there any other ones that I'm not thinking of? <laughs> Why is it so easy to come up with all these bad ones? <laughs> well, it's in our minds. We see it every day. It is. Well, I, one thing I can say... Um, 
my father is not educated. Like he's not classically formally educated. He didn't he didn't get a um, high school diploma. He lacked like half a credit. But like he, I mean, he's a business owner and he does just fine for himself. But he's intelligent. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a difference. People seem to mix up intelligence and education, and they're very different. Oh yeah, the difference in street smarts and book smarts, and and just the and and life experience and intelligence versus just the ability to rattle off facts. Like, I mean, it's impressive when you someone knows, well in the War of eighteen twelve da 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 da, but that's yeah. just memory. Like yeah, like my I remember one time, and I've seen Dad do this countless times, but one time in particular, we had a. Um, thing break on a, on a pull trailer and it was like a like a jack type thing he i don't know what's called and uh he just tears it apart and i'm like have you ever worked on one of these and he said no i was like what what, what are you doing he's like well I'll, I'll tear it apart and i'll see what's wrong with it and i'll yeah. try to fix it same thing with cars I was, I was like how do you how'd you learn how to work on cars dad and he said um well bub when you're young and you've got to go to work the next day and you don't have the money to pay a mechanic you tear it apart and fix it yourself and that is something that is so very appalachian we're so handy yeah you know i meet so many handymen so many jacks of all trades because they did it themselves i mean lack of money may have been one thing but just not caring to get your hands dirty not caring to yeah to get down and learn and be bad at something and then get better at it and that's why so many people around here my dad can do all kinds of things. He can probably build a house. I mean, yeah. just with things he's learned. Absolutely. It's something to be said about the ingenuity of our people. Ingenuity. That's a good thing, yeah. Because yeah. With, with limited resources and a desire to do something. It's kind of like people in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they will come up with ways to make anything. Or a bunch of potheads with weed and nothing to smoke out of. Suddenly they're engineers. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> Give people a desire to do something and a lack of resources, and they have a lot of ingenuity, and that is... That is part and parcel of Appalachia. They're so handy people. Somebody said this to me once, and I don't know where it came from, but it's so true and it's so brilliant. If you want to find out the easiest, most effective, efficient way to do something, have a lazy person do it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Because they will cut corners and it will get done. And then it'll be like streamlined perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I've done that a lot. <laughs> but, you know, on that same token of, you know, talking about doing things yourself, something I noticed in our area for a while was, we've talked about that, the the lack of small business, mm-hmm. the lack of, like, you know, the, oh, you cornered the market because you're starting a vape shop. Mm-hmm. Something I have noticed with our generation, especially, mm-hmm. is uh, the amount of just entrepreneurs coming out of there. Okay, do you think that's a lot? It's something I, I've not thought about a lot, so I don't yeah. know. I've noticed. I've noticed this. I've noticed people from our own classes okay. start businesses and smart start smart businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it's you know some of them are county over from us. Mm-hmm. Like uh, our friend Heather started Mountain Muse, mm-hmm. and it's a it's an awesome shop. Oh, cool! And she doesn't take from her artists. Mm-hmm. She lets them make what what they want out of their pieces. Oh, nice! And she does a lot of desserts and stuff like that. Jen, we're today we're actually recording in City Park. Mm-hmm. Um, which in Prestonsburg. Is, yeah, it's just an amazing coffee shop here in Prestonsburg. And Jen started this in like a little corner, like yeah. way on, on the back street back there. Now it's a thriving business. And she had to upsize because people wanted her coffee so bad they couldn't fit in the building. Wow, that's so awesome. So here we are. And thank you, Jen, for letting us use the space. Yeah, thank you very much, Jen. <laughs> she does more than coffee. She does like stuff that you wouldn't really think of. You've had art shows here. Yes, she mm-hmm. does. She supports the arts big time. And she will do like... 
lavender lemonade, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You think if you come into a coffee shop in Appalachia, you're not going to think of that. <laughs> For sure. I never would have thought about it. I'm trying to figure out what it is, honestly. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> it I'll tell you that. <laughs> I like the alliteration. And, you know, we've had some art businesses pop up. Mm-hmm. Which of the arts? I mean, who would have thought that art would be a lucrative business in yeah, really. Eastern Kentucky? But yeah. it is. Yeah, like I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just speaking for myself, when I was younger, I wanted to open up a business. And I had several harebrained ideas. At one point, I wanted to be a mobile dog groomer, which might have paid off. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but um, You might have just gave somebody a million-dollar idea. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, like, I don't know. I was still kind of – I never – I don't know. I don't, I never had much of the confidence to really – I always – so, like, starting this vape shop, mm-hmm. right – it seemed like such a very difficult thing. I was like, there's too many too many hoops I've got to jump through, and I'm sure there'll be unforeseen, concept, or unforeseen circumstances. But, like, I got online. I applied for a, um, a... I started a business on Kentucky One Gateway. It cost me $40 to create Appalachian Smoke LLC. Shameless plug, shameless plug. And <laughs> There's no such thing as a shameless plug. You're proud of your project, and you should be. That's right. And um, I found a... I found a a spot for it, a, um, a shop, and I applied online to talk to a wholesaler, and like, I mean, in a few weeks, maybe a month, I should open up shop. It's so simple. You yeah. need capital. Like, you need money and a place. Yeah. You need location, capital, and idea. That's the hard part. But like, it's, I don't know, it may fail miserably, but like. Hey, you gave it a shot, who cares? That's kind of what I'm looking at. If I lose $10,000, mm-hmm. Then, They're not knowing. Oh, that's right. That's right. I can make ten thousand dollars again. Eventually, yeah, money. Over many years. <laughs> I saw this meme the other day. It's better than having an art history degree. <laughs> Just kidding. Both of you that have jobs with that degree, I'm sorry you're killing it. <laughs> I saw this meme recently, and it was like a little girl with like those little bitchy sunglasses, those little tiny ones, mm-hmm. like throwing arms up, like whatever. Mm-hmm. It was like me spending my last money because I've been broke before <laughs> and I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You get paid again. I'd be fine. I can still buy cheap liquor and eat rice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, my, my dad's a small business owner. His brother was a small business owner. His sister, small business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all coal related, but that was a yeah. around here. So, yeah, it's um, it's even odd for me at 29 to think I technically own a business. Because yeah. I never had the confidence to do it. You know, it always seems so yeah. far-fetched. Nothing happens in McGoffin. But there's actually, in that plaza, there's three other businesses. Um, and two of them are owned by people under 30. And, yeah. I mean, that's, I love that. Maybe that's just the millennial side of us. Because you always talk about, you always hear people, there's either two sides. They either think that we're all whiny, annoying mm-hmm. little bitches. <laughs> or they admire our tenacity and our desire to build things and mm-hmm. create a life. For sure. Yeah, I love meeting people like that. And there are a few and far between. Most people seem resigned to just go to school, get a job, or just get a job that pays the bills and do yeah. that. It's it's all about what you want. It is. And, you know, for a long time, I think that kind of qualifies as a stereotype in itself, that we grew up thinking that's why you do it. Mm-hmm. If you want to survive, you go, you work for somebody yep. until you die. Yep. And I, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but I said, you'll never make it rich working for someone else. Absolutely. And you won't. I work for EMS and yeah. <laughs> I make $9 an hour. So I'm always really impressed to see those people who like really just power right through that whole thing. And they're like, I want to do it. I want to do it. Well, I think one thing, and this is just um, for my own, for me, you know, I, I took out this loan for this business. If I lose $10,000, that's not the biggest deal in the world. I don't care what kind of car I drive. 
I don't care what kind of house I live in. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to impress anyone else. I drive a shitty, rusty cobalt with one <laughs> hubcap. My trailer is 20 years old and needs a lot of work. But, like, you know, I don't need the... I'm not, I'm not out to try to impress my neighbors. So I don't yeah. need a big, fancy truck or motorcycle or... I've got a nice motorcycle. But anyway, a trailer. <laughs> I don't need a fancy trailer. Okay, um, as long as that motorcycle. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah, as soon as I get, as soon as I get it fixed, it's not working a couple of years. But we're going to get it. Yeah. To me, it's more about just living comfortable and being happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you know, starting your own business is the way to do that. I really admire people to do. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Thank you for the admiration. It's warranted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, and you know, I have a lot of side projects, so I guess I kind of fall into that also. For sure. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, especially like a podcast, mm-hmm. like just a bunch of girls. We and and you know my fiance, we we decided we were going to do this project, and it's actually turned into something. Yeah, that sure. I go and I talk to people, and they're like, "Oh, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. That is the best feeling." Absolutely. Someone, and like, you had to be a self starter to do that. Yeah, you know, you didn't just like it's so easy to go to work when people are just telling you what to do, mm-hmm. and you've got to go there to pay your bills. But when you you know you guys did this yourself, you mm-hmm. bought this equipment, you've set up the times, you invited people. It's been an adventure. Mm-hmm. It's been an adventure, and Aaron's screwing things up a lot, but you know. <laughs> that's life. That's learning. That's how you learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a good place to that's end good. it. good, yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today, Justin. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry. I, I didn't know you were recording. Oh, so. Yeah. so let's uh, take a second, plug your podcast. Um, Anything you wanted to throw out there? Okay. Um, I recently started a podcast. Me and my, I don't want to say I, me and my co host and best friend, Dustin Bradley. Started a podcast called Rock Bottom Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Rock Bottom Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, started, I started. I was like, is it the? No, it's just Rock Bottom Podcast. Um, right now, we're just available on my Facebook page. You can add me or Dustin. Dustin probably won't add you because he's very secretive and doesn't add people he doesn't know. I'll <laughs> add you. I add everyone. Uh, but try to add us both. But hopefully, within a week or two, we will be available on at least Spotify. Yeah. That we've got two episodes out right now. Third episode should be released soon, and we'll try to put them all to where they're downloadable through Spotify at least. Yeah, and I'll be sure to help share all that once it's once it's available. For sure, we'll help plug each other's stuff. <laughs> I mean, is plug the wrong word? It's uh, promote. It just sounds weird. Okay. Oh God, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, we will yeah, promote but... each other's not sexual parts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna stop using the word plug. plug. I don't I, like. Let's let's we... cancel the word plug. Oh, gosh, I'm not good at leading into my own shit. Okay. <laughs> and here is Aaron Elise Conley with... Are you still Conley? Oh, yeah, Conley. Okay, Aaron Elise Conley with her... Merch. Merch, here we go. <laughs> I'll lead you into it, you guys. So, wait, uh, Weird Appalachia now has merch, and by the time this uploads, we should have a link on our website, weirdappalachia.com, where you can find some original t-shirt designs that will help support the podcast. You know, possums are a huge thing around here. I love possums. We have a possum shirt that you need oh, in your life. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> if I get a discount. <laughs> <laughs> We're poor people. I can't do that. <laughs> but anyone listening, you can also support the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. I'll trade you a Suboxone for the shirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. That's my Suboxone. You can't have it. We're not sharing spots. <laughs> Thank you. Keep Appalachia weird. Bye. <laughs>